here's what's here's what's going to happen. Ed Ed Garvin is about to give them. You do not have to listen to me today. All right. There is a God. That's right. And he's awesome. Um, <laughs> I love our church. <laughs> so great. But uh, we do have uh, we have a special Eduardo Garvin is going to give us the message today. And it is fantastic. You might be interrupted a little bit because when Stephanie walks out that door, we are going probably, to rock the house. Rock the house. Exactly. We right. are going so to rock give it up the for house. Ed Garvin. Hi, everybody. My name is Ed. Hey. Hi, everybody. Uh, first and foremost, I am not a biblical historian. I'm not a practice lecturer. I didn't go to seminary. I'm just a member of this church. That's it. That's all I ever want to be is a member of this church, um, a member of his church. About six weeks ago, though, I was at a meeting with Don Noah on the Shawnee campus, and I walked over to say hi to the pastors, and they were in a, in a meeting um, at Kid City in Shawnee, and they asked me if I wanted to talk about the narrow gate. I said, sure, I'd love to. I'm reading that now, Matthew, Sermon on the Mount. I'd love to do that. Six days later, I was notified that my job would be terminated in 30 days. Six days later, it be terminated. Now, I kind of knew this was coming, but I was in denial. But they gave me the official, this is when you're done. So, that's what got me up here today. But though I don't know a lot of things, I do believe that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. I believe that wholeheartedly. Our new series is called Spooky Spirituality, The Things Jesus Says to Me That Unnerves Me, Makes Me Scared, Makes Me Scared. Um, our primary passage comes from the Bible and the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is the longest continuous Jesus words, red words, in the Bible. Chapters 5, 6, and 7. Um, and that's where our primary passage is going to come from. Chapter 5, first off is I rec e recommend everybody read this. Everybody read this because I believe that if your Bible is closed, how do you expect to hear from God? How do you expect to hear from God? It's right there, 1,874 pages with maps and pictures. So in chapter 5, he taught us the Beatitudes, refining our notion of who and who is not of worth, clarifying the law, its prominence and relevance in our life today. Take murder. 59 people were killed in Las Vegas. My mindset, did they get the shooter? Is the shooter dead? According to Christ, I committed murder. It was in my heart. It was in my mind. It's what I was thinking immediately. Not horrible, not terrible. Are people going to be okay? What are we going to learn from? Where, where's God? No. Is he dead? Or is he or is she dead? Or are they dead? <clears throat> I'm carrying the same, going down the same road he went down. In chapter 6, he taught us prayer and priorities. Thy will be done or my will be done. 
chapter 7, he taught us choices, ask, seek, knock, and gave us warnings. It is the warnings that is our primary passage. Matthew 7, 13, 14, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. First and foremost in the passage, he says, enter through the narrow gate. Period. No choices. Enter through the narrow gate. This is it, guys. Enter. Listen to me. Enter through the narrow gate because I believe he is the gate. In John 14, 5 through 6, Thomas asked him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. He is the gate. In the next sentence of the narrow gate, it says, Wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. This is Ed's road. This is Ed's path. This is a fleshly path. This is the easy road. This is mine. This is what I wish would happen in my head. Right there. Right there is wish I would happen in my head when I'm on Ed's path. When I'm doing Ed-isms. That's what I wish would come up. That's my will being done. <clears throat> in the last sentence... He says, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Matt Miller gives a great quote where he says, no man can walk in two directions at one time. You are either walking towards the Lord or you're walking away from him. What's scary in the passage to me is that he says a few. See, I thought, in my small little mind, that if I believed in Jesus, if I went to church, if I served at church, if I was good and I didn't lie, cheat, or steal, or tolerate anyone who did, and if I did, I just said I'm sorry, I'd be on the right road. I'd be on the right road. But then when I reevaluated that, I figured out that in 168 hours in a week, I'd spend eight weeks on the right road, or eight hours on the right road. I spent 160 hours walking in the wrong direction. I wasn't in the Word. I wasn't being discipled. I wasn't discipling anybody. I wasn't telling anybody about Jesus. I just spent eight hours doing what I thought was the right thing to do. So I was looking for full-time benefits as a part-time Christian. That's what I was looking for. Hey, I'm doing this. Look. Yeah, yeah, I know I'm doing this and I'm doing this, but, you know, look at these eight hours I'm putting in on this. Boy, I'm... <clears throat> so while I was searching for other passages to support the narrow gate in Luke 13, the Lord just gave it to me right in my face. Then Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. Someone asked him, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? He said to them, make Every effort, effort, effort is the word he wrote for Ed. It's striving, it's struggling, it's refocusing, it's being constantly active in the pursuit of the narrow door. 
because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. Once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading, Sir, open the door for us. But he will answer, I do not know you or where you come from. Then you will say, we ate with you, we drank with you, and you taught in our streets. But he will reply, I do not know you or where you come from. Away from me, all you evildoers. So then, of course, I ask myself, why does he constantly repeat himself? I mean, we got the narrow gate, we got the narrow door, we got the way to get to heaven through him. Why does he have to? Because I am simple-minded. The truth, he says the truth over and over and over again for a simple-minded person like me. So what road did I live my entire life on? That would be the wide and easy road. I put easy in there because that's what I look for. I was born in San Antonio, Texas. My dad was in the Army, joined the Army when I was a small child. I went to five different elementary schools, two different junior high schools, and two different high schools. I actually went to high school in Leavenworth, Kansas, but graduated, moved my senior year to Highland Falls, New York, and that's where I graduated from high school. I hated school. I did. I do not like to read, I do not like to write, and I don't do ciphering. I, I, I just don't like it. I don't like it. So what I did to get through was I, I learned the deal. What is the path? What is the easy part-time path where I can get maximum reward and move on to the next grade? So my senior year, a good friend of mine said, I got an idea. You want to go to college? I said, no, my dad wants me to go to college, but I don't. Let's join the Navy. So we went up to Newburgh. We took the test. Navy, Army, Marine guys all wanted me. I was so excited. And lo and behold, I got a scholarship to college. So I chose the University of Kansas because my brother was going to school there. He ran track there. And so off to KU I went. And being on the wide and easy road, I packed that four-year education in five-plus years. I'm telling you what, I call it my first and second junior and senior years. I just, I was just on the wide path. I, my mindset was, I just got to figure out the deal and get by, because I'm going to join the Army. Army's paying for it, and I'm going to join the Army. I know the Army. My dad was in the Army. Everybody knows in the Army. I know how to do this part. So after graduation, I went into the Army. Um and I was first stationed in Germany, and then after Germany, I was stationed at the National Training Center, and I got promoted along the way, and I got awards and achievements, and I got selected for positions over peers. I was the man, you know, on the easy path. I was still moving and grooving. I was not listening and learning. I was not obeying anything. Well, I was a company commander in California, For 18 months and 12 months into my command, I came home from a field training exercise and everything in my house was gone. My wife, two sons, everything except for a naugahyde couch, my uniforms, and a telephone. She was gone. Because in those days, we worked 27 days on and four days off. And in those four days off, I could probably drink four cases of beer. She was gone, and my boss came to me 
and said, your wife has left. We all knew what was going to happen. Only you didn't know you were going to. I'm on this road over here. I'm not paying attention to anything. What's the deal? How do I stay the man? That's where I was. <clears throat> so he ordered me on January the 1st, 1988, to never drink again. And I haven't. But I did that out of fear. Because I wanted to stay in the army and my boss told me to do it. Not that my wife wanted me to do it. Not that my kids needed me to do it. Not that God was talking to me. No, 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 no. I'm going to do this out of fear. So I was on the wide and uh, pretty much easy road. So I changed command after 18 months and they immediately sent me to rehab. I hadn't drank in six months and they sent me to rehab. I was in Barstow, California, and I had to drive 48 hours to Augusta, Georgia, and I got there, and they put me in detox for two days, and I wasn't drunk. I just sat in a room with no belt, no shoestrings, looked at the walls. But you know what they gave me? They gave me a Bible. So I had been praying since I was 15 because I met this priest who was a really cool guy and said you should pray all the time. He said a lot of other things, but I was on the wide road, and I only took a little bit of recommendation. But they gave us a Bible. And so for six weeks in rehab, I read the Bible. Guess what I read? God loves you, Ed. God's got a plan for you. I read all of the truth, all of the love and grace. I'm not going to go to narrow gate. Boy, that sounds, no, no, no. This is me over here. Um, so I still wasn't truly obeying, and I wasn't committing, and I was in the word out of fear again because I wanted to graduate from this class. I wanted to stay in the army. And uh, I graduated. They sent me to Fort Riley, Kansas, where I was a public affairs officer. I was an operations officer, and then I was an inspector general. But because I was in this drug and alcohol program in the military, they revoked my security clearance. And so I had to write a bunch of letters, and I had to get a bunch of bosses to say, Ed's a good guy. Keep him in the army. This is what we want to do. And I had to do this about every six months. It was just dragging on me. So instead of leaning into that pain and saying, this is because you are not paying attention, I got out. I'm going to get out of the Army anyways sometime. Ten years, 20 years, 30 years, I'm getting out. I'm looking for that easy path, that wide road to figure out how to get around as opposed to staying obedient. <clears throat> so I got out. And I made my way to Overland Park, Kansas, where I got a job in a company that had 10 people. Over 20 years, we had hundreds of people all around the world. Um, I had to be on call and work all the time, but I could come and go whenever I want to. I figured out the deal easily in 10 years. And I could just come and go as I want, and after about 20 years, I just put that baby on cruise control. And I had it all. And the man took it all away. So I got this new job where I have to travel to central Missouri. And my car doesn't have a radio. So I've had the last two weeks, three hours a day, to try to figure out my new path. So I've written this thing about 14 different times. Because every time I drive, the Lord lay something else on my heart. Um... And come to pass, I have it all now. 
I'm right here in front of you guys. I have it all now. I, I am truly blessed. Um, but I also believe that he expects me to do more um, than just read his word. He expects me to respond and obey to what he's telling me. And that the road to him is very narrow, very restrictive, and contrary to everything I was taught, this is an exclusive relationship. This is very exclusive. It has an inclusive offering. Everybody can have it, but you've got to work at it once you get it. That's why only a few get it. That's why only a few get it. But it's all right here. Every bit. Of, he, he gave us the instruction manual. It's all right here. And then when I'm reading through this, <clears throat> I've learned that I've got to be really, really grateful, really, really humble, and get in a completely different mindset than I've ever been in before. Because life is really, really hard to what I'm used to. <clears throat> See, I believe, like Stephanie, you have to be baptized, you have to make a public profession of your faith. You have to be in the Word, and you have to tell people about your Jesus. You have to do all of those things. You can't just say, "I oh, yeah, I love Jesus. I know Jesus. I'm good. I went through D group about three years ago. And in our discipleship group, we would text each other every night about what we were reading, what the Lord was saying to us, and what we were doing about it. And I have to admit, a lot of times, I was just punching the ticket. Oh, we're going to text at 9 o'clock. i got to find something to read. I'm still on the easy path. I am still on the easy path. I believe that the devil does this. The devil distracts, he distorts, and he discourages. And if I don't stay focused and I don't stay in the word, based on his love and grace, that's what gives me my identity. That's why I get to obey, and that's why I get to love him. If I don't do that constantly, this simple mind will wander. For me, it's a matter of mind over matter. If I don't mind, he doesn't matter. He does not matter at all. I have to stay continuously focused. The beauty is, he gives us the path. He gives us the road. He tells us in Matthew 7, 7, Ask, seek, knock. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find it. Knock and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. This is an action statement for me. I have to be in the Word before I get to do those three things. Because for years, I've just been screaming from the porch, wondering why the door's not open. But he doesn't know me. <clears throat> So I believe I have to be in the word decisively, continuously, and believe in him with absolute confidence and trust, complete surrender, and heartfelt obedience to all he commands. Because for Ed Garvin, the narrow and wide road is six inches apart. It's right here. I love everybody. I'm full of it. But right here is where I wander. Right here is where I get off the path. <clears throat> Paul writes in Philippians 2. 
imitating the humility of Christ. Therefore, if any of you, <clears throat> therefore, if you have any encouragement of being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one in mind. I'm going to make a little pause right there because this is what the Lord laid on me. I'm reading the Shema. That's Deuteronomy 6, 4, and it's not on the screen. O Israel, love the Lord our God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. When Christ walks on the earth, he adds the word mind. Mind. He knows the enemy dwells right here in Ed Garvin. And he knows the answer. And all I have to do is turn around. All I have to do is find the sign. Being one in spirit and one in mind, doing nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above ourselves. This is Beatitudes. Do not look to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. My entire life, I've been looking for somebody to emulate, somebody to be like. And I believe Christ was not just a man. He is the man. One example, one cross, one life. Thank you.